told you not to touch it. Mike, will you be sensible? Come on, look, it's as dead as they come, it's dead. I'm Chucky. Wanna play? You believe me now? Yeah. But who's gonna believe me? scares us and what saves us. This is the fear of God. Hello and welcome back to that podcast at the intersection of faith and fear where every week and especially this year. And especially this episode, we discuss what scares us in order to find what saves us. This, friends and foggers, is the fear of God. Speaking to you right now is one of your hosts, Nathan Rouse, and typically with me is fellow co-host Reed Lackey. And guys, he was here. He was, but he looked a little worse for wear. He said he was having a case of the alone at night willies, and he kind of stepped away. And I, I, you know, I'm sure he'll be fine. It's been, it has been a tough year. We've probably all had, you know, trouble sleeping uh, off and on this year. I'm sure that's what the Alone at Night Willies means. Uh, in the meantime, allow me to welcome you, constant listeners, into our big tent series for the year, What Scares Us slash What Saves Us, a series defined by you. You've been submitting your stories of films and media that instilled a certain fearful imagining in you, and we are going to be covering them right here on the show. Two weeks ago, we started this series with Dr. Riedenstein's very own pumpkin head uh, entry and submission. Last week, we had the good fortune of frequent guest and friend of the fog, Vera Gowdy, serve as both MC and maybe a bit of a therapist as well as we all dove 47 meters down. So be sure to check out both of those episodes. We do have a very special uh, uh, listener submitted episode for you here today as well, but I'm getting ahead of myself, unsurprisingly. As you well know here at The Fear of God, we explore. We don't explain. Except for right now when I explain that you can listen to The Fear of God at your nearest podcast platform. You can watch The Fear of God on YouTube, and you can browse The Fear of God on the web at thefearofgodpodcast.com, where you'll find Reed! Hey, buddy! You 
you freshened up, you little little shot of caffeine or espresso or something. You all right? Hi, I'm Lackey. Want to play? Ooh, that's not cool. That's not cool. <laughs> don't do that. That's not don't cool. Do that. No. no, put that back in the box. Yeah. <laughs> not one of the good guys. Throw that off a bridge somewhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> not one of the good guys. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing okay. How are you doing? Everything going well? I'm good. You know? Good. Enjoying this good. series. We got a brand new entry today. There's, um, there's some exciting... This series wound up being, and, and listeners obviously don't have the line of sight to everything that's coming forward, but uh, this series wound up being pretty eclectic, and there's lots of... There's a handful in here that we're going to get to that I have to say I've been curious when we would eventually get to them today's episode is among yeah. that list where i was like yeah. you know what we you know we've been doing this four years there's some big tentpole staples that we still just haven't made it to and some of those are going to come up in this series so i'm very excited about that that's really well, cool. well that's a very good segue uh fellow mm-hmm. fellow co-host to a little bit of business time so oh, that's a good you idea. know we we when we made the pitch for uh what scares us entries um, one of the mm-hmm. spokes on that wheel was digestibility. You know, we're getting a little older, yes. a little digestive system <laughs> don't work quite as well as it might have used to. Um, Metamucil. And, you know. whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, uh, in the spirit of that, uh, a particular couple of listeners submitted, you know, TV shows. Thanks, guys. Um, <laughs> but we wanted to rise to the challenge here. So we are letting you know. Indeed multiple weeks in advance here that and we can suss out the details and no more later it's either two weeks or three weeks from now maybe three weeks yeah a couple of weeks from a couple now. of weeks yes. from now we are going to be discussing the first season of the show channel zero uh which is mm-hmm. a worthy submission to what scares us if ever a thing <laughs> so was a worthy terrifying. submission my gosh that show's scary um yes. Uh, it's an anthology series, so you don't need any sort of thing beyond just the first season. It's six episodes that are about 45 minutes yeah. or so each. So giving you yes. ample heads up here uh, to know uh, what we're covering a couple of weeks from now. In addition to that, so what's uh, so channel? Well, yes, read real, you. real quick. You, just sir, in for the listeners, <laughs> For listeners who may be curious, the easiest and quickest place yes. to find Channel Zero is is on the streaming service Shudder, where they have all four seasons available, but especially season one. I believe season one is available elsewhere, but I think the fastest route is through Shudder. So maybe a free trial, or if you already subscribe there, it is located there to stream. So anyway. So yes, all that. seasons of Channel Zero are available on Shudder. We will exclusively be focusing on season one. But if you're just in the mood to, you know, <laughs> just jump back into Poop Club, uh, have fun with the rest <laughs> of the show as well. Um, I personally Indeed. have not seen season four, but I've seen season one through three, and they're all they are all worthy entries. Um, yeah, so that's they're all a, strong. Yes, that's in a couple weeks. Um, what other business time? You got anything else you want to talk about for business time? Uh, I would just you know I would just toss out if anybody hasn't and has been thinking about it. Time is just because of programming logistics. Even though we have weeks and weeks left of the series, if you want to fit your What Scares You entry in for possible consideration, time is probably running short on that because we we have enough submissions to to fill out the next few months and we're going to be pivoting middle of the year. So if you would like, 
your What Scares You entry considered, go to thefearofgodpodcast.com, click on the banner on the top, share a story about what scares you. Um, that's also applies if you just want to share a story with us about something that we have already covered or something that's just, we've been getting a lot of listener submissions that are just fun anecdotes from frightful events that's in great. their childhood that has been really fun to read. So um, feel free to share stories of that nature with us. Um, but if you are wanting to use the the platform to pitch us something to cover, time is probably running a little short on that for this exercise. So you'll want to do that in the next couple of weeks if you want us to be able to include your in, your uh, entry into this round. I'm not saying we'll never do it again. Because that I should mention that that, event, that opportunity will probably be available for years to come. This is a good avenue for people to just say, hey, Fear of God hosts, why don't you cover this? And and this is probably the Maybe a little to do more warm than that but yes the idea yeah, is yeah. I mean, tell us good. why yeah. <laughs> um as always come join the facebook uh fear of god group we have a fun old time discussing all things fearful and otherwise in there uh as always if you have not left an itunes review we would greatly appreciate that bump us from that long-held 70s uh, um you know number there into the 80s that'd be awesome the 80s, who's gonna be decade. entry number 80 who is it i don't who, know who will do know. it <laughs> i feel like we should offer a prize but oh, come on you know just <laughs> just just be just be kind you know what? um <laughs> yeah that's that's all i got for business time you got anything else just uh what you watching what you reading Oh, what you're listening to. What are you listening to? That was lovely. <laughs> Look at you. You've missed that. You've missed that. I have. It's a good I little outlet. Deflect, good little creative outlet. Those again. Yeah. Um, we've got a mutual watcha this week. And yeah, we in the spirit of that mutual watcha, yeah. I feel like you should outro us with a whole different style of of, of music there you know different different era so be thinking about that um oh, yeah you know, i love no i love these yeah i love these heads up yeah. that you give me it's yeah. it you get about so great three to, and so lengthy you get about three to five minutes um <laughs> <laughs> so discuss amongst yourself you know back at our new year's eve party we had mm -hmm. a little conversation and part of our questions for our our party gang was what's something you're looking forward to and i personally uh, through WandaVision in the ring as the thing, a thing you I was sure looking did. forward to. Uh, someone recently you was sure like, did. oh, now that WandaVision's over, there's nothing else for you this year. I was like, no, 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 you misunderstood what I said. I just said, what is a thing someone is looking forward to? And so I was looking forward <laughs> to WandaVision. It wasn't like that's going to be the sum total definition of my 2021. Nonetheless, let's talk about WandaVision. Let's talk about WandaVision, shall we? So it's MCU's first entry, obviously, in TV series. Still kind of felt, to be candid, even though there was a weekly buildup, the narrative arc kind of felt very much like, I won't call it Marvel formula, because it was too out of the box to really fit that, particularly in the first half. Sure. But the overall narrative arc did feel like this is really kind of a you know six-ish hour movie, you know, right. uh, so to speak. Um, and so that, uh, you know, but, but in that regard, um, I, what I found most interesting about it is the ways in which, like, in many ways, week to week, the speculating, the theorizing, the, 
you know, wondering what this meant and that meant. It it kind of recalled, and I think I even saw an article basically to this effect that it kind of recalled the good old days of the original run of Lost, sure. where like everybody in their world and, and it would be like, "Ooh, what does this mean?" and who's going to show up? And they would latch on to literally every single line of dialogue yeah. to say, oh, oh my gosh, yeah. this means something. And I'm not referring and, to you here, but yes, I know someone in my orbit who was like, <laughs> this is what that one line of dialogue means. I was like, ah, I think you're reading too much into that. I think you might be. I could be wrong, but I think you might yeah. be. And even I got caught up a little bit in some of the things like surrounding the engineer, what's the identity sure, of the engineer sure. and everything. You know, I got caught up in a lot of that. Um, now, I will say that for myself, from the episode where... Uh, and, and, and we will touch on spoilers a little bit. We don't have to guy, you know, dive whole hog into it, but from the episode, I believe it was like maybe six or seven where we begin to see Wanda's flashbacks. Mm -hmm. I'll just say mm -hmm. that where yep. we, you know, kind of going back through from that episode onward, I think I pretty quickly recalibrated to, oh, okay, this is what this show is about. Right. Not necessarily all the bigger, grander, you know, uh, epic connecting dot scope right, that it right. was. Um, I still felt like there would maybe be a couple of surprise reveals that didn't happen, but I recalibrated pretty quickly after well, Wanda's flashback. It's episode. interesting. You and I have had conversations in IRL and on pod over the years about the tension of um, binge shows versus the week to week format. And sure. I think the show is really fascinating as a, lens through which to further have that conversation because i think i don't i i kind of am glad it was week to week i actually enjoyed the the you know in the spirit of how i even started this there's something to look forward to at the end of the week and i watched sure, it with my kids sure. we would get up early on friday after a certain point we did started to do that and <laughs> uh so it just became this fun kind of conversation in the home um so from that standpoint i really enjoyed it there is a sense in which did they inadvertently shoot themselves in the foot a little bit because of the sheer balloon inflation that happened of people's expectations, because I'm with you. Right. My summary statement on WandaVision is I actually really love what we got, even if at various points I wasn't sure what I was wanting out of it. If that makes sense. Like mm, I really, yeah, I really yeah. enjoy ultimately what it is. Um, and once you sort of take that full picture into account, I think there's a lot of really lovely stuff in it. I do think you're not wrong. I mean, it's, it plays very much in the traditional wheelhouse of superhero storytelling that goes back, right, right. you know, gosh, to the early CW DC shows like this, the season long yeah, sure. big bad that's operating in the shadows. Now what WandaVision does rather well i would say is is tilting that format those first three and four episodes and and, yes. and what it does kind of uh in its structure and its design so i really enjoyed that aspect i think the performers are fantastic Catherine hahn is a friggin gift my gosh she's, she's yeah she's wonderful amazing um really great stuff from olsen as well oh, like yeah, i thought she sure. i thought she she did she had the chance finally to really show what she's capable of as an actor mm -hmm. and a performer. And I, th I think I didn't feel like the MCU had really underserved her until I saw this story sure. where she's able to play with all these different layers um, that I thought was really, really pretty spectacular for her. I thought it was a strong, really strong performance. And, and Paul Bettany as well is, is really great. 
um, although he is in many ways doing a lot of the same kinds of things we've seen him capable of doing before. I think this was just really an opportunity um, for her to shine in a sure. way that she hadn't yeah. been given the chance to before. Did Have you had a chance to watch the behind-the-scenes special they did? I haven't. I want to. It's very but, good. But as of this recording, good. I haven't seen it. As a, okay, as a awesome. brief little note, they spend a decent chunk of a portion of that special talking about making those first two episodes and man, they went all out. The, the, really? the crew is in period dress. The cha- it's an actual live studio audience. So they put in chairs that are hearkening oh back to gosh. that era. Uh, the lighting, wow. the lighting, uh, equipment is era specific. Like they went all out Dang, and, and that's cool. What, that's fun. I, I encourage you to watch it. Anyone too. If you, if you had a passing appreciation for the show, it'll really increase your affection for kind of just the, the production aspect of the entire that's awesome. enterprise. No, but it's yeah. really cool. Well, cool. Yeah. So, and, uh, yeah. And as of us recording this, two days from now, that's y- it. Your boys, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Oh, it's coming. It's coming. I know, which is, you know, it's going to be such a drastic shift. I know because, you know, oh, yeah. the, 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 the shows are clearly going to be about two very different things, very different tones, everything. But I am curious and excited to see what they what they drop on us next. So, and yeah, hey, I mean, I'm, while we're I'm while we're it. tipping our hats here, let's not leave our fellow fandom out. I mean, the Snyder Cut is coming out. That's out. The Snyder Cut is. is dropping down. The Snyder Cut is dropping out. down. I will, two days. you know, I. So, so I will say, this is not a second what you watch it, but I will say formally, we have repeatedly, listeners know, given decent chunks of shade towards particularly BVS DOJ, but UE, <laughs> UE, not UE. But, um, but we, you know, we've given decent chunks of shade towards that. Um, I are you think playing I might the, have are you playing the spousal pronoun game right here? When you say we, do you mean me? Well, I've joined. I've joined okay, you. Okay, good. You know, like, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I no, would have I've said we, you. but I'm worried what, yeah. when you say we, you really mean No, no, no. You. Okay. But I think I've said something to this end before, but, uh, you know, in case I haven't so, so formally, I will make a statement here about the upcoming Snyder Cut. Um, I don't know if I'll like it or not, because a lot of the stories that have been told before um, have have not quite been my cup of tea, my flavor of storytelling, just in general that, you know, to each their own. But I will say that I am curious to see how this plays out. There is a large part of me that is glad the fans finally get something that they want. Zack Snyder, at least from, you know, what I hear about his presence on set or his working with people, seems like he's a decent guy and seems like he's somebody people enjoy working with. And, you know, this is something that his his own personal tragedies and some of the critical sort of tension took him out of the running. They did, I think, in general, creatively speaking, there's this big part of my heart that has a lot of sympathy for him because I can understand what it must have been like sure. to be like, oh, well, now this Joss Whedon guy is taking over all of this stuff and this is the theatrical cut. And, and that must have been a, a really dreadful thing for anybody in, with a creative spirit or heart sure. to go through, whether or not their material is something that connects with us, regardless of that. I am glad, if for no other person than him and his devoted fans that they get to have this moment. Yeah. Whatever it oh, looks like, sure. it might, might not be when my they, cup of tea. When they, I don't know if you, you remember know, but, this or pay attention to this during pen, uh, height of pandemic. Um, there was some DC online event. Uh, and this is when a lot of maybe even the announcement, maybe that's when mm. they announced it. I don't remember mm. formally, but um, 
there what I did see I, I had a, a great swell of uh, uh, affection for my fellow fans who because I know yeah. that feeling I know that feeling yeah. of watching yeah. all the Marvel news roll out and the energy and the excitement and so I was really grateful that they got those you know folks who are ardent fans of that universe got to have that as well and hey, right I mean maybe we'll I don't know we'll, yeah we'll see we'll, yeah we'll, we'll see. see what happens we'll see what happens. maybe we'll see what happens. yeah the, the fog yeah, well, the fog cut. The fog cut. Say really fast. No. No, I won't. I shall not be doing that, sir. What I shall be doing instead is what you watch and read and listen and watch and read and watch and read and listen to. Wait. What you watching? What you reading? What you watching and you reading, listening to? And then, what you watching, reading, listening to? Wow, he's going, he's doing it. What you watching, reading, listening to? You never cease to impress, Lackey. You never fail. What you watching, reading, listening to? I actually don't know that theme song. I mean, you know, there's a lot. You were doing. You were operating on a lot of levels there, and it's and it's and like you it's were conversing with me, but you weren't really because you were thinking about all this. You were just like, <laughs> like indulging. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But it's like I didn't. Uh, I did. Those weren't the exact shows that they used in Wandavision, but I tried to use Still, the '60s, the we, '70s, we and understood. '80s, and we the understood. '90s. Yeah. So there you go. But anyway, that was that. All right. So um, here we are. So so we have something pretty exciting um, to talk about today. You've already seen the title of the of the episode. Um, and so should we start by, you know, sharing what the individual listener, you know, who submitted it. this it's did? A, I mean, so, we had a Canadian on the show last week. Let's sort of have a, another Canadian on the show this week. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, okay. So what is kind of cool uh, uh, about this is obviously we, you know, Nathan and I are here. We reached out to the submitter of this particular piece. and it was Justin asked- Trudeau. <laughs> who knew he was a fan like it was the most random thing hey guys i like your show oh my gosh so we were oh watching no 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 no. we were watching um a there's there's the tv show uh that's you know uh celebrity wheel of fortune they do okay. like i guess celebrity versions of everything now where the celebrities come sure. on and they play for charity right well um there was in wheel of fortune the puzzle itself the answer was podcast host right okay and so then they started talking for like, you know, 30 seconds about like, oh, yeah, podcasts, blah, blah, blah. And um, and then Chrissy Metz from This Is Us was one of the guests on it. And I think they asked her, like, you know, did she enjoy podcasts or something? And and then my son busts out with he was like, what if her favorite fo- podcast is the fear of God? And I was like, no. oh, my gosh, that that would be amazing. Good, good just, on your son for even thinking that. So <laughs> I know. I was like, that's oh, very that's so pleasant. Um, so, yes, w- um, we reached out to uh, our devoted Canadian listener, Brent Westerink, and asked him if he would be kind enough to grace us with an actual uh, like recording of his thoughts on our upcoming piece. And so Brent was kind enough to share it with us, and we will share it with you right here, right now. Take it away, Brent. So when asked the question, what scares me? Hands down, the answer to that question is Chucky, the serial killer doll from the Child's Play franchise. The whole concept of a children's toy, something that's meant to be innocent, killing you, is a terrifying concept. Uh, From around the time I was in fifth grade to my later teen years, 
I was actually so afraid of Chucky that I would purposefully avoid walking down the horror aisle of the video store. Even though I enjoyed watching horror films, I was just too scared to see a, even a picture of Chucky in any capacity. Uh, it was really bad though. There was one time uh, my brother actually cut a picture of Chucky out of a, a newspaper and chased me around the house with it. Uh, I actually ended up locking myself in the bathroom and I refused to come out until he tore it up and flushed it down the toilet. I was that terrified. Anyways, um, I did end up watching the movie eventually uh, and I watched, uh, I've seen all the sequels as well. But I think one thing that's really stuck with me about that whole concept is some of the backstory to how Don Mancini came up with the concept. So the whole idea of uh, him responding to targeted advertisements and marketing to children in the 80s was something that he wanted to speak to and, and sort of speak to in a satirical way. But again, that whole idea of a young boy being the target of the film also creeps me out. I mean, being a dad myself, the idea of bringing something evil home to my son is a terrifying and frightening idea. Anyways, I could talk for days about this film. I just wanted to throw it out there as one for you guys to possibly cover, and uh, you chose to, to do it. So anyways, I'm really looking forward to hearing the episode and uh, hearing about uh, what themes and ideas the two of you are able to bring up in the conversation. Anyways, thank you so much, and uh, take care. Thank you, Brent. Thank you very, very much. Reed, is it weird to you that we hadn't covered this yet? There's a few that as I was thinking about, because because obviously we do this for like, you know, four years now, but one thing that I don't know that other series do is um, we have certain thematic considerations that sometimes lead us to content um, that otherwise might have been a bit outside the box. So, you know, we've done several things. I, I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily weird, but there are a handful of pieces, some of which will be included in this series, some of which still linger because nobody mentioned them, um, that make me feel like, okay, yeah, it, it's getting close to time. If you're a horror-themed podcast at all, you probably shouldn't go five, six years without covering X, you know, or without having a discussion about, you know, Y or whatever. So this is definitely one that I thought, okay, I know we'll eventually get to it, in some fashion, um, so I was really pleased when Brent brought it up and uh, and gave us the chance to talk about it. But what's interesting about that is that, like, so I was actually pretty late in the game to coming to the franchise. Before I tell my little piece of it, it was this your first time seeing this film and or any of the Chucky films? Yes. Uh, okay, right. of course I'm familiar with it. Um, sure, sure. And in fact, uh, my wife, I actually invited her. Hey, you want to watch child's play? She's like, no, cause, <laughs> cause it is, she would be the one like Brent submitting this as her, what scares us because she has memories of hmm. either her older sibling or somehow being shown this as like, like five or six years old, you know, and just, Ooh, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and yeah. It definitely has harrowing memories yeah. of that so what's what's perhaps slightly ironic given how many films i watched at a young age um this is a film i didn't see for the first time until i was in my 20s um and so long after the franchise had multiple sequels 
Um, I think I didn't see the first one until after something ridiculous like Seed of Chucky had come out, which is well, like part five. In I the was going to say, I don't you know, know how many there are. So, so, so when you say seven, something ridiculous, I mean, yes, the title <laughs> Seed of Chucky is pretty ridiculous, but I don't know what is, you mean in is. terms of the sequence. So there have been seven entries in the in the main franchise, right. and then there's been the 2019 right. remake. Um, so, but uh, did you? But yeah, I, did you watch that one? I did, I did, and and I liked it quite a bit. I think pound for pound, this original entry is uh, certainly a scarier film, and I think in general a more interesting film. But I, is I it did very much like the essentially remake. the same plot. It, um, not quite, because a big major element of this, as listeners who've watched this will know, is the um, villain of the piece, Charles Lee Ray, transplants his soul right. into the body of Chucky. Of the old and, one. Uh, of the old one. Right, In right. the remake, it is a an AI malfunction. It is a, there's an inhibitor because it's a learning computer processor that right. inhabits these good guy dolls. So in the remake, uh, one of the, like, uh, uh, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I, I watched it, like, probably in proximity to its coming out. And uh, if memory serves, there was a disgruntled employee who, like, disengaged the gotcha. inhibitors of right, one right. of those things. And it sent the doll on a learning computer as, like, he buddies up with the child who he's been gifted to. And then when that child is frustrated with an adult, the doll takes it upon themselves to punish said adult sure. for frustrations. And right. then things get out of control from there. Um, voiced by Mark Hamill in that. Really? Um, yeah, in that remake. Which, yeah, I mean, that's got Aubrey Plaza and Brian Tyree Henry. Yeah. That's a good cast. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it is, um, it, it's it's very strong. Like, honestly, like, if you're a fan of the Chucky stuff, it's its its, its own unique little bubble, but uh, but it's very strong as a film, and I like Can it Can I throw in here, in mm-hmm. doing some Trivial Bits reading, what you just described of the plot sounds a little closer to the initial pitch for the film. That's right. For the original no, film. No, that's right. The first draft, the idea was there were two things that I do find very interesting that eventually didn't make it to the film that were in early drafts. The first is that, as you just alluded to, Chucky's sort of violence was aimed towards people who disappointed or hurt Andy. Right. And that's what it was aimed at and then just got out of control. So that element was in the original and, of course, has now become part of the remake. Um, the other element that I thought was fascinating is that in the uh, I heard in early drafts or I read I should say that uh, they played in early drafts around a lot with whether or not there was really a, sort of a ascension yeah. to Chucky or if it was just Andy right. acting these things out and blaming it on Chucky like Which, a psychological break. I mean, you know, watching it what 35 years plus years after its release Mm. uh there's no way to separate yourself from that but i mean they i could see a world where if you had seen no marketing for it they could have played that out and teased that out and that's that's kind of there to 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 see if you absolutely no absolutely divorce it from pop culture (laughs) which can't right 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 um and so yeah i think it's i think it's pretty interesting the first Three entries. So I said there, you know, there's seven. I watched the first one for the first time in my 20s. Not, not worth lingering a lot on, but it is one of a handful of horror tent poles that the first time I saw it, I didn't really like it very much. I thought it was okay. Um, didn't really connect to it. And now I'm sitting in a place 
where I appreciate and actively enjoy it significantly more to where I, where I actively enjoy this series and this film. Um, but uh, I didn't revisit like the sequels until gosh, maybe even like a year or two ago um, where I finally was just like, you know what? I've never seen the child's play sequels. I think they came on one Halloween on like AMC or something all in a run. Sure. And I was like, let me, uh, let me, let me watch them. And you know, they weren't the original versions cause AMC edits them down. But I was like, let me just, let me just see what they've got going on. What's, what's kind of cool about it is parts one, two and three are directly like horror kind of play around with some comical stuff because of the nature of, Mm-hmm. of Chucky as a character. But then with Bride of Chucky and Seed of Chucky, they wholeheartedly just embrace horror comedy satire where they're just like, we're silly, we're goofy, this is just absurd and ridiculous. What's interesting to me is that then with part six, which I believe is called Curse of Chucky, they went all the way around again. I would argue that the scariest, int- the pure fright level the scariest entry in the franchise is part six. It's a genuinely scary film. Hmm. Um, and they go back to basics. They take away a lot of the, and, and it is a continuing story. So it's, it, it's all of parts one through five happened, right. but just in the narrative of part six, they go back to bare bones and it's really effective to that degree. Part seven is also pretty good, uh, to that end. So, good so yeah, night. it's a franchise I appreciate, yeah. but yeah, I know seven entries. Um, so uh so I like that quite a bit. Um I would encourage if people connected to this one and liked it that it's you know it's worth seeking out some of the sequels. Just know that like Bride of Chucky and Seed of Chucky intentionally get kind of silly. So if that's not your cup of tea, just kind of be ready for that. Uh one thing that I on a personal note that I thought was worth mentioning. So the Chucky design was inspired by the Hasbro line of My Buddy dolls. Sure. I had a My Buddy doll. Of course you did. Of course I did. And so I have a strong memory, never having seen Child's Play when I was when I was younger, I have a pretty strong memory of like being gifted the My Buddy doll and I thought it was interesting that like the My Buddy doll was very, very popular. Right. Uh and then Child's Play comes out and pretty much kills the line. Well the <laughs> like, the trivia on IMDB specifically says my buddy never recovered from yeah, the release of Child's yeah. Play. The sales of it didn't. You know, remember they had Kid Sister as well. Oh, that's right. Yeah, for little girls. Um, my buddy. My, my buddy. buddy. Wherever, Wherever I, I go, go, he's going to go, my buddy, my, my buddy, buddy, my lackey my and me. <laughs> you know it, too. Did you actually have one, or do you just know the song? Nope. I did oh, not okay. have a My Buddy. I had Pound Puppies. Yeah. Oh, Pound Puppies. You know doll. Pound Puppies? Unlike the My Buddy doll, Pound Puppies are still around. My son owns like five. Yeah. Really? Pound Puppies. Yeah, Pound Puppies are still around. Hmm. So, yeah, they still make them. Still come in those little carrying cases. Still have a little certificate. My mom tells the story of... Me walking around a grocery store with my my bu- with my uh, pound puppy singing Billie Jean. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's but no, I mean that happened like a year ago with the new the new pound puppies. Oh, I'm okay, kidding, I'm kidding. Okay. No, as yes, a child. I know, I know how you like that. Um, so I have just a couple more trivial bits before okay. we dive into to some more specifics. But um, I couldn't help but notice, and this, uh, this I don't know why this stood out to me, but that um, the child's name is Andy. And right. of course, Andy has a doll that mm, comes to life. And whoa, so I couldn't help but whoa. notice the whole Toy Story connection because I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Because, and this is funny, I don't know if, I don't know if people remember this. When the remake was happening, it was released yeah. the exact same day as Toy Story 4. And initial marketing didn't do this, but once it was 
firmed up that it was going to be released the same day as Toy Story 4. They did limited marketing that is pretty widely available. You could Google it and you could still see the posters that, um, <laughs> I, I don't know how to take this for some people. I thought it was clever and a little fun. Uh, but I know some people, even some people like close to me who were pretty upset and offended by it, that what they did was they took, you know, you have the Toy Story for uh imagery of like woody like with a little tip of the hat right. and like this you know uh muted background well child's play posters have images of him coming along and butchering the the toy story characters like he's like it's got a uh, an image of woody's arm like splayed out with like stuffing pouring uh-huh. out of it and some blood and and then there's there was an image where he has apparently blasted the top half of buzz off with buzz's own blaster and then the other one that stands out is the one with uh, Slinky Dog, where he's holding up half of Slinky Dog over a campfire. <laughs> and it's like, it's pre- I mean, like I said, it's pretty, I can understand why howdy, people howdy, would say. Howdy, howdy, um, But I, I found it, maybe because I'm naive, I found it to be playful marketing that was on brand for sure. the particular piece. Yeah. Um, you know, I can understand somebody who, you know, especially if they had a young child or something who didn't understand why there's a suddenly this picture of Buzz with half his body gone. Um, but, but I, I thought it was, it was pretty clever on brand marketing myself. Um, but understand why people would, you know, maybe not like that. Um, last trivial bit that I have just because I want to sing his praises for doing something like this is, um, so Chris Sarandon at the time was the biggest star of the film. He'd already done Princess Bride. He'd already done uh, Fright Night, which was directed by the same person, and he's uh, one of the major stars in that, and he got top billing because he's the biggest star. I don't know who he spoke to, but he, whoever it was that he spoke to, he specifically asked that Catherine Hicks be given top billing because he said she's the star of this film. She carries the film. And I, I thought that was noteworthy because it was probably quite rare for, sure. you know, he he was more popular, was going to receive top billing. And, and as the trivia information would have it, specifically asked for them to give top billing to Catherine And when Hicks, she which heard cool. that, she was like, humping, humping, humping. <laughs> <laughs> to which he's like, no, I can't. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, so, so clearly, okay, I've talked a ton. I just want to know, in general, your thoughts, reactions. Uh, I'm, you know, I, I've expressed a little bit of sort of my history with not being really on board, and then coming around on it. Uh, what were your sort of first impressions, general assessments? Like, sure. what did you think about this film? What, yeah, how'd you respond to it? Um, you know, it's always interesting when you. I, I mean, you know, you got into this one in your twenties. Now at forty-one, I'm watching this kind of considered a classic for the first time it's it's always hard to know okay well what what am i getting here you know and what sure sure what about it was meaningful at the time and is that thing still resonant now and mm. um i will say i i, I totally understand the brent westerinks and the my wife's of the world who sure. of which is only one by the way um <laughs> <laughs> uh, for whom, you know, you see a movie like this at a formative age, it's going to be pretty scarring, but mm. I, I kind of found it entertaining in a way that I just, I was sure. like, oh, that was, you know, I, I think fun's an okay word in this context, but um, yeah, I was, I was impressed with, you, you just never know. You never know at, at, 
in 2021 how a film from 1988 with a talking doll is going to hold up and, and, and sure right because think about it like your your low budget today vfx could look pretty bad 30 years from now so yes. i'm not saying this movie was low budget but when i go in not knowing what i'm going to get you're thinking, okay, talking doll, how well is that going to look or translate or what level right. of budget did this have compared to its peers right. in, in 1988? And I mean, I thought Chucky was really well rendered. I was kind of like, dang, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah. The and, effects hold up really well. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know that, oh, bad voodoo is a great look, but, um, yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> if there's a moment that, well, A, that I appreciated is absolutely nowhere to be found in the remake, but B, you know, that that doesn't age well in any capacity. It's that element, and specifically that scene right. is is really like, if you're going to point a finger to like... Uh, Do you mean uh, when, he, when the character shows up later on or the fact yeah. that he used... Okay. Well... Yeah, both. I both. mean, I mean the, yes, I agree. Yes. It's inclusion at all. And it's so mm-hmm. funny. I know, I know, I know, listener, this is a very woke progressive 2021 hot take i get it on a movie that's almost 40 years old but (laughs) i love just the image of like a writer's room on this and being like okay so we've got the premise we want but how do we make it happen voodoo (laughs) there's that's not going to be perceived as anything you know kind of culturally insensitive or racially charged whatsoever that'll get it we got it voodoo um yeah so you know that aside um mm-hmm. i i don't know it was it was entertaining um i think the kid actor is actually pretty good all things considered um yeah. he i'll phrase it this way he's annoying in the way he should be but he's also pretty good mm-hmm. on film you know on camera the scene where he's crying in fear inside the little institution because he knows he has seen that that chucky is like climbing the stairs and after him and he's having this moment where he's really just sort of breaking down is is really effective like are you talking about the scene where where he kind of is punching chucky oh no although that scene is wonderful um no i mean when he's been it's it's as a result of that scene so the scene you're referring to which i think is going to come up later in our conversation is the scene where he's trying in the presence of adults to get Chucky to speak. And he's like, gets really frustrated, starts hitting the doll and everything. That scene's really effective. What I was referring to is as a result of that scene, they took him to an institution to spend a few days under observation. And then he's, while in that institution, he looks out the window and sees that Chucky is like climbing the stairs and coming after him. That's a creepy scene. and he has this and it's really it's it's effective in a lot of ways because you know praise to the to the child actor because he begins to cry yes. and fall apart okay. because he's and that that can kind of bleed into a couple of things because he said he's coming he's coming to kill me which is That was a very heartbreaking thing. performance in that moment. Yeah, I, like, absolutely. as a parent I had a very visceral emotional response to his absolutely. experience. I did there. too. Um, yeah, I did too. I will say so. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, offer this rather superficial story as just a cursory jumping into things here. So, had a really humorous response to my own actions here. I was writing the note. I mean, if you're gonna buy some janky ass banged up toy from a back alley peddler, you kind of may be set up for failure. <laughs> and I had to chuckle because Reed. <laughs> so. 
in this movie, the good guy dolls, they're super costly. I don't remember exactly if they said they're a hundred. Yeah. Um, and literally the mom's coworkers like, ah, I saw this bum in the back alley. (laughs) He had what you're looking for, you know? And literally that's the setup. Um, and she goes and, and pays dollars to this bum guy with Mm -hmm. super bad prosthetic teeth and an actual (laughs) banged up box for this toy oh yeah well it's like opened so you'll love this i had to chuckle because i because in my mind i'm judging this mom good night lady what are you thinking (laughs) then i had to remember oh snap i haven't done anything quite that extremely weird but a few years ago oh no when i was looking for the uh force awakens lego millennium falcon Oh no! I uh, sort of like Facebook Marketplace. There was this app. Uh, what was it called? Hmm. Garage gar- Virage Sale. That was it. Virage Sale. Virage Sale. I don't even know if it exists anymore. I don't use it anymore. But it was a. It was like a run. quote unquote more bona fide Craigslist. So like it linked to oh, your social okay. media account, so you knew. Oh, this is Reed Lackey, based on the fact mm. that I can go look mm. at his profile. So. That's great. I I, <laughs> I mean that's social media. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but I had I was on the hunt. Uh, uh, I I wanted this Millennium Falcon Lego, and oh that beget a whole slew of purchases since then. But nonetheless, on Virage sale, this lady was selling this particular thing. Now that particular set, I think, retailed for a hundred bucks. This is where this story is really oh no hum- humorously resonant. Uh-huh. It's either hundred. I'm pretty sure it was a hundred. And I think she had listed it for like 75 and Mm. I was just like, Hey, 50 bucks. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, okay. So now you, I know you have at least a brain for Lego and, and those are, those things are expensive. Like, especially if you get the the bigger sets or whatever, those are very expensive. They never go on sales. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Well, sure enough, Reed, I drive 30 minutes to a target. Because this lady is like, okay, meet me at this Target in the parking lot. This is a true story. This actually did this. Oh, my oh my gosh. And I show up at the Target with my 50 bucks. It was daylight, broad daylight. Okay, it wasn't nighttime. <laughs> uh, she didn't have janky teeth. And and I bought this Lego set. And in my mind, I'm like, I'm, somebody stole this. Oh, my God. There is no way you have this and are and are selling it at literally half of msrp to some yeah, stranger in a parking lot at target but you know what i didn't yeah. ask questions i didn't ask questions yeah. i took it you home just brought it home i did yeah. and it's assembled yeah. on my shelf right now and, and so, what you don't realize what? is that it flies over your bed at night <laughs> because it possesses the soul the little porg yeah the little porg uh is actually imbued but because it's so small it doesn't impact me as much as chucky would sure, you know like this porg in the dead of night there's like paranormal activity there's an image of a porg like banging on my head a tiny little lego porg so anyway i can't really judge andy's mom no. in this movie because i was like dadgummit yeah but yeah in fact I bought it for me. So it wasn't even like her yeah. who bought it for a kid. I was like, she's yeah, <laughs> she's trying she's, to be benevolent to her yeah. child. Cause she cannot I stand just like, the look on his face. I like a deal. Yeah. Anyway. Oh my gosh. Funny story. So maybe that's a good, maybe that's a good entry point into this whole thing. Like I think in general, it's the relationship between the mom and child in this film is endearing. It's very endearing. I mean, the very first thing we see is bless his poor little heart. He is trying to, 
cook breakfast oh, for his mom on his birthday. Yeah. And that burnt toast with that glob Shovels of, of sugar and the cereal. <laughs> oh, He's sloshing it all down the hall. I was like, uh-uh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, but it's, but it's, you know, it's really sweet. And that undercuts some of what would have been what would have sat a little wrong with me. I shouldn't say wrong, but would it, it would have sat a little sour with me where he opens up the clothes and every child his age who opens up clothes would have that exact reaction. Like, oh, yeah, okay, mm, great, thanks. I thanks for the rock. huge box. Yeah, thanks for the huge box with pants in it. I really appreciate that, you know. But then when he opens up the smaller toy, there's this moment that I think is very real where he looks and is like, I want a good guy doll to go with this. Like he's got the toy set, and I and I feel for the mom. She's a, she's a single mom because they're they're uh, his dad, her husband has has died. The film doesn't tell us how or what the circumstances are. In fact, the only clue we have to it, I had read uh, that there were other scenes which better established what had happened to his father. But the only clue we have in the film that remains is a line where Andy says to his mom. Uh, that Chucky claims to have been sent by heaven from their daddy. Yeah, you know, yeah, or like from heaven by their daddy. You know, so which is pretty jacked up. Um, but uh, you know, so so this relationship, it's like you can feel the the necessary weight. To your point about why would she go to janky teeth homeless guy and buy this good guy doll is because my God, she is having, she's being forced to work shifts by an absolute D bag of a boss. I'm like, smack, like who is like, what in the world? Smack that guy upside the head. Do you like this job? No, as a matter of fact, like you do this crap to me and make me work a double shift that I wasn't planning on my son's birthday. But regardless of that, um, so, so she's, you really do, I think the film does a better job than we might initially give it credit for of establishing the gravity behind the relationship in which they navigate. Um, so, so there's that, there's that piece of it. And, and I think that adds more emotional weight when things start to, like, I really, uh, you mentioned earlier that you had a visceral, visceral reaction to when the child is like, you know, falling so, apart, crying, yeah. heartbreaking. Um, I also found myself, and maybe this is why, gosh, this is coming to me like in real time. I first saw this movie in my 20s when I was not a parent. And I wonder, it is purely a curiosity, I wonder if some of why I respond a bit more positively and a bit more strongly specifically to this film, not necessarily the franchise as a whole, though I do like it, um, but I wonder if some of that is baked into my reaction to Karen and Andy's relationship, which I do think the film presents very well. Which is funny because on the whole, I absolutely agree with you. They have a mm. lovely dynamic. Uh, but I actually wrote this down <laughs> now having no idea oh. you were going to prop that up as the architecture you see there. Sure. Which sure, I, yeah. I think is there. But dude. She gives up real easy when the voice from the other room is like, oh, I'm from County General and I've seen enough. And I think Andy should stay with us a few days. And, I was like, <laughs> and literally the next scene, she's back at home like, dang, she didn't put up a fight at all. Like, wow. You did, I mean, I get yeah. it. I'm a parent of three. I need a break sometimes. Yeah. I don't know that sure. I would have relented quite so easily. To, but nonetheless, yeah. I do. Uh, yeah. But I thought so. Agreed. Don't disagree counter that with the scene when she goes home in the privacy of her own home 
and starts shaking Chucky and demands that he speak. Sure, you know, yeah, like yeah, oh yeah. That that's a that's a moment that I think you know. Again, I agree with your with the observation you just made. Um, I, think, I think there's I think also honestly some- it's more an editing problem. I'm being jokey. I yeah, think it it's be. an yeah, editing yeah, issue. Sure. And I don't know if you saw this. Did you see in your research that there's like like initial cuts were like three hours long? I did. And that there's a scene insane. of Chris Sarandon in a dress in the first uh, uh, run when he's tracking down Charles Lee Ray. Yeah. And that yes. apparently yes. I didn't know this because I didn't know to look for it. When you first see him on screen, he's tossing a, a an article of clothing and it's that dress dress away. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, Mm -hmm. point being, yeah, I'm being jokey about the relationship. I do think there's a world where it's just wonky editing in that scene. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That's possible. Cut. That's a little odd. And apparently on that deleted scenes, apparently they have tried with subsequent like special edition releases and stuff to, to dig up these deleted scenes. But when Tom Holland had deleted them, (laughs) Spider-Man, right. Um, when he had gotten rid of them from his cut, he, he, he basically like just completely destroyed them. He was like, "Yep, we don't need that. We're just we're just going to go away." So they're not salvageable or not found or wow. something. He shot them, edited it, you know, everything, but then when he cut them, they're just completely gone. Um, but no, I, I I really like that aspect of the film. I think we've already mentioned it and it's not worth too much of our time, but I do think it, 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 because it is so fundamental to the premise, I think the underlying sort of his uh calling upon a voodoo ritual to inhabit the body of this doll that uh as we've already said does not age well but i i myself kind of bypass it as a relic of its time sure yeah, yeah. uh would, would would hang a lantern on how arcane and how problematic it is as a current story point but um you know I, for myself i'm just like okay well let's let's bypass that for a moment it's it's uh it, it's absurd and it's not cool but uh there's a lot of other stuff in it that i think is really interesting um, most of what I have written down as superficial elements are ironically in scares. <laughs> like I like the effects, but I have quite a few scares written down. I can dig on that so before you, had, you, before you get there. Yeah. I didn't have this written down as a question, but I'm trying to figure out how to frame it as one. Oh, okay. Sure. So, hmm. Yeah. I can't figure out. I want to ask you cause you, 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 and I uh, developed a, a friendship in a season of time when you did some acting. We both have degrees in theater. And what I'm trying to figure out how to ask, but I'm, I can't conjure a specific example for myself, is when, when, as an actor, you ever had to do something really weird. So, for instance, what inspires hmm. this question or this line of thinking, whether it, it materializes into a question or not, my guy, Chris Sarandon, like, how does he feel performing with a knife trying to stab him in the car that is that scene i was like i feel like there's some benny hill music that should be playing right here over this scene because he is like he is like uh uh, elevating himself up off the car seat he's dodging he's trying not to get stabbed in the junk with Uh, his knife in the back with this knife and just all around it's just it is yeah high comedy and zany (laughs) and i'm like this poor this poor actor he, oh, you know, yeah. everybody needs a paycheck and child's play ultimately is a decent film, but I'm sure filming this scene, he was like, I did not go to school for this. You know? <laughs> <laughs> What's interesting is I actually, I actually wrote that down as a scare because of how, not because I think it, cause I agree with you. It's a, just a, a utterly wacky scene, <laughs> but because of how much I squirm oh, myself. Yeah. 
watching it. Like, oh, look oh out. my god! Oh my yep. god! Yep. Like <laughs> shift, <laughs> just, shift. Yeah, he's trying I'm to like, drive. Oh my gosh. That's some serious multitasking. No kidding. Oh my gosh! Get thicker seats, man, because like that's like it goes very or very skin. You know. Uh, oh yeah, that might work. Um, no, I I agree. I agree. Um, okay. One thing though we can that get I, in the scare. What, I'm sorry to cut you. No 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 no. Just a couple of things that I'll mention. One thing that I'll mention is it is for all of the eff- wonderful, effective ways that Chucky as a special effect exists in this film. And it is impressive, you know, all these years later that it still holds up as well as it does. One of the genuinely most chilling moments in the film to me is when Andy has been sent to bed and is brushing his teeth. And then suddenly the nine o'clock news comes back on and Aunt Maggie looks over and the Chucky doll is just sitting there lounging Mm -hmm. watching the nine o'clock. That's really unnerving. Like that's super unnerving. And the reason that's unnerving is because that's not complete. um, How should I put it? It is possible that through glitches in technology, a, a thing like that might happen purely by coincidental accident, you know, like a a device turns on or something and there's a toy nearby it, you know, and that's, Mm -hmm. there's something really chilling about like, oh man, Chucky's just sitting there lounging. It's like when I wake up tomorrow morning, there's a little Lego porg laying against my bed. And it's just like, "Ah." (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, who put this here? (laughs) Who messed with I'm looking at my wife like, did you do this with my Lego? (laughs) She looks and she's like, is that the one you bought from the janky teeth old lady in the parking lot of the Target? I told you it was cursed. (laughs) (laughs) I told you you shouldn't buy no Millennium Falcon for $50. It was stolen and possessed by some. You knew it was stolen. (laughs) Nathan, you knew it. You You did it anyway. Put it in the car and drive away. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, that that moment genuinely is kind of creepy. Uh, what what did you have on on your list, bro? Bro, on my scares list. Is that where we're at? Well, you I'm know, like, whatever. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm on my scares now, and let me okay. tell you. Oh boy, I was more impressed with the the special effects on Chucky, but that giant mascot, good guy Chucky, in that commercial, yeah. That- <laughs> ain't right (laughs) that ain't right right. i was like "Uh uh-uh turn this (laughs) off (laughs) i mean who wants this (laughs) (laughs) dumb kids kids are so dumb i want a giant Uh, scary uh, beast in my house i did multiple times be like that is a large doll when andy's (laughs) carrying around like i i would not be comfortable with that in my house oh my gosh yeah it's it It like teeters it's no wonder my buddy failed after this film but (laughs) It's like the the design, it just teeters on the line between demented cutesy and just mm. demonic. Like it's, there's no, mm. there's no neutral. There's no, no benign version of that Chucky design. It's like mm-hmm. cutely demented mm-hmm. or spawn of hell, you know? Yeah. It's just no middle <laughs> yes. ground there. Um, I will say this. Um, yeah. Maggie had a hell of a death scene. My word. Yes. Yes, indeed. I mean, she she gets that hammer to the dome mm-hmm. and then she like does a three stooges, whoop, 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 you know, backwards and then <laughs> out the sixth floor window with a small, slow motion fall oh, on yeah. top of a car like that. That's yeah, I, I wanted like a, 
you know, like a trio of, of passersby to hold up signs with their, their numbers on it. Ten. Like, yeah, ten. <laughs> <laughs> like that was impressive. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it, it's pretty gruesome and happens early in the film. It does. Like that's, that's one thing is like we start getting kills like before it's even 20 minutes into the movie, which is, is kind of crazy. Um, b- because normally you would take like the big buildup would be like, oh, you get your big monster reveal and then, you know, I don't know. It just it felt early in the film, but mess around with Chucky. He messes back. <laughs> you turn off, you turn off the news. Mm, yeah, there's a worrisome he, metaphor he don't, there. You um, don't like that. Um, so I really like. It's one of my favorite moments in the movie. Is uh, the entire scripting, production, suspense, tension building, everything. She shakes him. She's like, "Speak, speak, you know, speak to me, whatever." Mm. And then she takes the box, and the batteries fall out. It's wonderful. I saw I saw it coming a mile away. The batteries fall out. The music begins to heighten. And then when she picks the doll up, knowing it has no batteries in it, and then the head spins around and, you know, the I'm Chucky, want to play? Like, that is a really suspenseful So, listeners, moment. funny story. <laughs> um, what did I text you? I don't want to go look it up. But you, Yeah, I forget. I hadn't quoted anything yet. So, I'm watching... Child's play for the first time two nights ago. Oh, I know what you texted me. What? It was a line from the movie we may not want to quote. <laughs> was it the It's uh she deserved to Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's die. when it's when uh uh Andy is speaking on behalf of Chucky to mom and yes. he, he calls Aunt Maggie a, a bad a, a wordy dirt. Um Yes. <laughs> and so I text that to read. Uh, uh man, Chucky's got a potty mouth, or Andy's got a potty mouth. So then, minutes later, I'm watching the movie, and it's if you can envision these things happening simultaneously, <laughs> because that is effectively what happened. I, my phone buzzes. It's Reed. I, I'm Reed seeing me hold up my phone on the camera on the Zoom. <laughs> I go to look at my phone while at the same time on TV, Chucky is turning his head. Uh, what did, what's the line you just quoted? Hi, I, I'm Chucky. Yeah. You want to play? Yeah. Reed sends the meme of that <laughs> literally at the same time the movie the is moment. doing it. I was like, oh, ah, oh, I dropped my phone. I was like, uh-uh, uh-uh, no more. <laughs> that ain't right. That Turn ain't off. right. Turn Reed, get out of my Jesus. house. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you feel like, I don't want to name the reference. I want to see if you caught it. I feel like oh, there's no. a particular horror movie that gets some, some a couple of heavy winks by this film really? and i didn't read it anywhere but maybe i'm just that good these days maybe you are that good and maybe i'm maybe i'm not maybe we've switched roles in terms of the horror well there's two particular uh, uh elements visual elements in this film the first time the first one happened i was like huh interesting that kind of works and then later on there's an, a, a a different what i think is a reference i was like i that that must be what they're alluding to i feel like there's some heavy shining references in this uh, one oh, is the Chucky cam, which is yes, reminiscent yes. of uh, Danny's uh, uh, go kart cam, yes, and, or right. Hot Wheels cam. And then late in the film, when Mom is against the door, there's a very uh, uh, knife through the that, door. Uh, yes, that Wendy Torrance homage. Yes, that absolutely. Yeah, I I can't imagine that that wouldn't be a call out to The Shining. No, I think yeah. So why did you fail, right. Reed? This is a, we need to pause here. What? How? You know, did because you miss I, this? I didn't know what you were no, about to reference. No. So, so how I did just, you not miss? How did you miss those? 
Well, I feel like you need to so now the ep- turn so now the episode has taken a sour <laughs> turn. So <laughs> like, I'm like, I don't know. Uh, we hold a lot of things in our head for these recording do, nights, and do. I didn't have that yeah, written down, yeah. so I don't know. So, but uh, but anyway, no. What like, do you have written down? So uh, the last thing that I just wanted to mention is we've already sung the praises of the of the effects and everything, but uh, burnt up Chucky That's with this whole up. like yeah, and it's it's really creepy when he's like stalking towards yeah. Andy Toasty and it, that's yeah. yes that is a really really effective kind of fright scene um, in general. Which <laughs> for a film again, this is eighty eight. I want to say yeah. yeah, and for a film that is that you know obviously dated. I was uh, surprised at how genuinely uh, effective the scares kind of hold up. I, I do still think this is genuinely a very creepy. Film I mean, for a I got to hand it to a movie when I'm thinking, how did they do that? It's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good yeah, stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And they blended some things in. It's obvious in a couple of shots, not so obvious in others that Chucky has a variety of different animatronic sure. yep. iterations. Yep. But then there are also iterations where it's a, a living person, yeah. maybe a child or a, a, a little person actor that is actually like, you know, uh, performing yeah. the scene. Yeah. And, uh, and, and they blend it really effectively. It's yeah. It's, I do it, like it's, it's the comedy cool. version of this where, you know, how at the end, uh, Chris Sarandon, of course, doesn't believe the mom at, or the mom doesn't believe Andy. Then Chris Sarandon doesn't believe the mom. And then the partner doesn't believe Chris Sarandon. I just right. love the, the thought of a final scene of this. That's just, singular individuals continually showing up at the crime scene and <laughs> Chucky attacking them and them and getting loose and like, well, now who's going to believe me? And then someone else shows. It's just the room keeps filling up, you know? That's your, that's either your SNL bit or it's the, or it's like the Benny Hill music. You're just like, one more person walks in. Oh, Reverend Bob. What? I don't believe you. Ah! Now who's going <laughs> to believe me? It's like, it's like grandma with the cookies. <laughs> hey, brought the cookie. I don't believe you. And then just, ah, ah. <laughs> You know who another. doesn't believe is, you know, uh, uh, Andy and his mom live on the sixth floor of this apartment. And that yes. lady shoots a gun into the floor like three times. Somebody <laughs> below is not believing because they did. You know, <laughs> she, she, there's a whole new crime scene below them. <laughs> it's like it's like I can I can visualize a series of short films. It's like the victims that didn't get highlighted <laughs> in horror movies. Oh, oh my gosh! <laughs> Innocent bystanders, not your story. Like, what in the world? Yeah. No, no, that's what it's called. It's called. This is not your story. <laughs> it's somebody. It's somebody doing their laundry in their apartment in that complex, and Chucky just walks by, and they're like, "What the hell?" <laughs> <laughs> What did I just see? And then he comes, he comes home and he tells his wife, you'll never believe what I just saw. And she's, she's like, like I don't right. believe you. I don't believe you. And then she goes upstairs into the room. <laughs> <laughs> By the end of the movie, it's the whole building. Oh, they're all just like, what happened? I don't like, believe it. Oh, my. <laughs> it's awesome. This is not your story. Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh, Lord, that's that, our. That, that, we need to. That's funny. To the typewriter. That's the to the typewriter. The fog anthology Man, series. Funny. Of just bystanders oh gosh, to horror films. <laughs> Man, that's funny. Mm. Oh, um. So okay. So oh. I had something that I, I had something that I wanted to mention. Um, and and oh, so it it is worth noting. I don't believe you. 
<laughs> it is worth noting that for a film that I think just kind of works in general on a number of different more superficial levels, uh, Don Mancini, the, the, the writer, apparently was actually trying to create a metaphor out of Chucky uh, for the notion of, and this is not the subject of the question that I'm about to ask, but it did, it did bring some interesting things up in my mind. Um, presumably he was actually scratching at a metaphor of the way that like direct market commercialization, well, it's not direct market. That's a different thing, but it's like commercialization, um, sort of compelling children to bring things into their home. And what you're doing is, yeah, yeah, the, the marketing, the pervasive advertisement Simpsons, (laughs) Simpsons has a joke, uh, in an early episode of Simpsons where, the commercial is for a video game called Bone Storm, uh-huh. and Bart and Lisa are sitting there watching it. And the actual line in The Simpsons, the commercial says, "So go tell your parents, buy me Bone Storm or go to hell." And, <laughs> and so Bart walks in, is like, "Buy me Bone Storm or go to hell." To which Homer replies, "Young man, in this house we use a little word called please," which I think is very funny. Very funny. But but it's the the you know it's this notion of. You, you, you're compelling the kids to like beg. There's that moment where this poor struggling mom like gets the good guy tool set for her son, right? And he's like, I want a good guy doll to go with it. Of course he does. Of course the child wants a good guy doll to go with it because he's just watched, you know, beast mascot on this thing. He's just, you know, he's watched these, (laughs) he's watched these pervasive ads. And so the writer, was really sort of um, scratching at that, metaphorically speaking. But then what really begins to connect in my mind, and then I have, I have a kind of a question that's associated with it, but what really begins to connect in my mind is you have this this thing that has compelled Andy to beg to, to receive this this toy, right? So his mom went to somewhat dubious lengths to try to acquire this no, toy. It's, it's justifiable. Yeah, 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 totally. sure. Yeah, totally justifiable. Um, but anyway, she, you know, she she kind of backdoored getting this good guy doll, brings it home. But then the child is the one, and I find this really interesting. Andy's the one who notices that, and we were joking for the past like three minutes about like the, you know, I don't believe you, but he's the one who sees there's flour on the bottom of Chucky's feet mm-hmm. and he runs and he tells them hey it was chucky on the counter he's the one who says like his name is charles lee ray he's telling me about this you know he's the one who is continually like yes i'm telling you this doll is alive and it is it is is transacting certain things right and then that scene that we referenced earlier where he's under observation in the in the police station and he is in a in what i find to be a really compelling moment narratively he is arguing with this inanimate object saying like speak Chucky and he's like he's doing it on purpose you know and he's saying some really haunting things like the language the child is using is he said if I told anybody about Mm -hmm. him he would kill me Mm -hmm. and then even when he's you know because horror movies do this regularly and we've called it out on the show before where people express a deadly threat to a an authority figure and they are completely dismissed because what they're saying is somewhat preposterous you know kids in you know teenage slasher flicks and they're just like oh my god you know freddy's coming after me in my dreams like you need sleep 
pills. You know, like it's it's really that kind of that kind of tension. Drugs that'll solve it. <laughs> but the question that I had is, I was like, man, what? And and this is a bit geared towards like Andy's age and everything. But we talked about the heartbreaking nature of that scene where he's falling apart, crying, and he's like, he's coming to kill me, and nobody's listening to him. Nobody. And he's even saying when the doctor's trying to give him a syringe to put him to sleep, he said he's going to kill you too. Like this is all right, bad. Right. And and so my question is like, what is it going to take for us to believe the generation behind us about the threats that are going to just utterly devastate us? Like the things they're yeah, because I think there's this real tension that exists where people who are of an older generation, we kind of pro- cross a bridge right now in our in our middle age years that, you know, there's the, there's a tendency for an older generation of people to really be profoundly disbelieving of younger generations behind them when they uh, identify threats. I'm not talking about, because I want to be really specific, I value and cherish the wisdom of people who have years of experience to impart. I tremendously value that. And I think we as a society should value that. What I'm talking about is the utter dismissal of... I guess what you could call the old guard. I don't know if that's the most appropriate sort of designation for it, but the dismissal of the old guard to, you know, rambunctious youngsters who are trying to say up like, Hey, this is, this is a dangerous thing. This is something that needs to be attended to. Um, And, and the way there can kind of be this superiority to try to say like, this is lunacy. This is crazy. The mom experiences it, but then Chucky comes alive and, actually like comes at her so she tries naturally to convince the authority figure and it just begins to drive me a little nuts even though this is a fantasy horror film it begins to drive me a little nuts that nobody is like okay what what evidence do you have or like why do you feel this way why do you think this way they just immediately jump to dismissal and craziness and uh it made me wonder like, what will it take for us to start listening and believing the generations coming behind us who may be closer to awareness of the threat than we perhaps are because of our jadedness or because of our, you know, stuck in our old ways or whatever it is. Um, so anyway, I, I don't is, know if my question makes sense. but uh, Sure. Yeah, it does. Um, I'll answer your question with a question, and that's, mm. have you seen Ted Lasso? <laughs> and I'm <laughs> actually being funny, but... Um, I've been rewatching Ted Lasso, uh, when I exercise lately and, and it's coming to mind as you're asking this question because, and I'm going to draw some connections here, but not settle there. It's incidental, but Hmm, sure. What comes to me and why Ted Lasso is conjured when you ask this version of question and the principles it, 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 it begs to discuss. Sure. Is I think, I think you make a really astute observation and, uh, uh, I'll, I'll connect the Ted Lasso thing and then leave that alone. But cynicism is what came to me. And, and mm. Ted Lasso as a show is about an, a, an adult who is demonstrably and excessively uncynical. And that's sort of what made me think of it, but wow. leaving that alone, right. um, but trying to directly address your question. Um, I think that's part of it. I think part of it is because we have so, Dishearteningly, so uh, abandoned wonder, abandoned the idea of the fantastic, so that when 
this is, uh, I don't mean this to be a political statement, but what came to me while you were asking that question and I was trying to figure out how to not sound like a dope and trying to answer it. What came to me as a person like, uh, a Greta Thunberg and climate mm. change. Mm, sure. And, and I don't mean to, to jump on that bandwagon in the moment per se, except this is a child mm-hmm. saying to adults, a terrible thing is happening. And I need you to believe me mm-hmm. and, and ignoring all the inroads attached to that. This is what you read or asking, like, what does it take for us to, to sense the, and, and I think a lot of it, uh, is, is the childlikeness Christ refers to it's, it's condescending. It's recognizing I don't have all the information. It's, it's, it's because dad gum, man, I've got three kids and the amount of times the growing amount of times as they age and as I age and, and as life is happening where a thing is told to me and uh, you kind of, you can even, you can see me visually, you kind of squint your eyes and you're like, "Mm, yeah, are you telling me the truth? Yeah. Um, And, and which isn't to suggest they always are, but, Mm -hmm. but this attitude that gets fostered in us, honestly, because we are liars Mm -hmm. and cynics. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, dang, you know, like yeah, the, right. the ways we buy in and I don't mean we actively intend to hurt or harm or, or, or as the word I just used lie, but, but you, the, the air is full of it. Mm-hmm. And the more mature we, the more, uh, the older we are maturity mm-hmm. and age are different things. Uh, yeah. the older we are, the longer we've breathed it in, the more, accustomed to it we've grown the more comfortable in it we've become yeah the easier it is sure so then when a child does come along and say this thing is doing something that there is harm afoot yeah we just say dumb kid Mm -hmm. and you know god willing there will never be a scenario you or i or anyone encounters with the level of specificity of a child's story is actively possessed and harming them. And they're trying to communicate that to us and we don't believe them. But the metaphor holds, which is what does it take to believe the fantastical? Ah, uh, yes. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's childlikeness. I think it's, I think it is a will and an intention to recognize that all we see isn't all there is. And, mm-hmm. and if anything, is most definitely not the complete story. And yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think that's a really wonderful question. And what I can't get away from the answer to is how do you listen to children? You become like them. You become mm, open. Yeah, you, you, right. you, you attune your ears, you attune your spirit. I've thought about mm-hmm. this lately. I don't know why I did, but, um, you know, I work in a sales environment. I'm having a, a good year, which is really cool on a pure materialistic standpoint, but that drug is intoxicating. Yeah. Yeah. And there have been moments lately where I'm like, okay, get your head out of your ass and just pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stop chasing the wind and, and look around you and, and, and drink it in, you know, step outside your back door with no intent beyond existing. 
And, yeah. and I don't mean that to be some big philosophical statement. It's, it's the act of living is acknowledging one's existence in relationship to the space and, and, and material around you. Anyway, mm-hmm. that's my yeah. answer to your question. <laughs> well, and I, and, and I love it. You, we have to become, I, I love, I love the answer that we have to become like them because that is quite comparably the advice that Christ directly gave. You know, and and said that that and and that's not the only reason I love the advice you give, but it resonates profoundly that that's that's a part of what was trying to be communicated. Like you have to be open to wonder, you have to stay curious, you have to be open to fantastical things. I was having a conversation with someone not that long ago um, where we were talking about the power of dreams and the hmm. and the importance or not of dreams and. And how, in many ways, our dreams are just sort of our subconscious using metaphorical representations of things to try to fathom what's going on in our life and what's going on in our in our hearts and minds. And, you know, the, the prospect when dreams coincide with a coincidental reality and they, uh, like, for instance, you dream about someone the night before that you haven't seen in years and then you see them. Or sure. you dream about an event and then within that same week that event happens, suddenly you're going to see the dream in a bit of a different light. And um, this friend and I were, uh, t- I don't know why I keep saying this friend, it was uh, our mutual friend Ian. Mm-hmm. Um, we were discussing things uh, about, you know, just sort of that subject in general. And one of the observations that I had made to him was I said, it has stayed with me a long time um, that, and this quote, Though I will not be able to cite it verbatim, I remember the the general spirit and interpretive spirit of it uh, came from M. Night Shyamalan. And I remember him saying when he was asked about, uh, I think it was in promotion for The Sixth Sense or something, and they asked him, do you believe in ghosts? And here was his general answer to that question. He said, what's interesting to consider is how many billions and billions, possibly into the trillions of stories throughout history of ghosts there have been. Like, Literally, sure. just just an innumerable amount uh, that would be nearly impossible to count. The amount of personal anecdotes and, you know, uh, inexplicable experiences that relate to ghosts or aliens or pick your, you know, fantastical subject, right? And what he asked back to this person asking the question of, do you believe in this? He said, how many of them have to be true for it to be a possible reality? Sure. And his answer was, of course, one. Only one out of these innumerable amounts has to be authentic for that to be a possible reality. Go ahead and throw away 98% of them. Go ahead and throw away 98% of these fantastical slash miraculous slash, you know, supernatural or preternatural occurrences. How many of them have to be true for this to be a possibility? Only one of them. And now suddenly that begins to, 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 for me, puts me back on my heels a little bit when I have the tendency to be dismissive of things. What we also know is that there is a need. <laughs> I'll share a somewhat comical story that um, my son has a very vivid imagination and had a proclivity, uh, a season that he does not as pervasively engage in right now, but definitely still occasionally sort of uh, comes into where he will take something he know is pretend and talks about it like it's real. Sure. Uh, for instance, uh, when he told one of his more distant cousins uh, that he had two sibling sisters 
he does not. Huh. <laughs> and and but it was he was trying to just I, I forget exactly what subject it was that they were talking about uh, siblings or something. And he began to speak as if he had two sibling sisters. And it was in his mind. He knew it was pretend, but he was presenting it as if it was a reality. And so there's this way in which we have to we do have to be interrogative of the things that we're hearing. But I think there's a difference between being interrogative and being dismissive. And I think that might be a huge key um, when we are confronted with fantastical things or fantastical realities, uh, particularly when we're talking about and you went to Greta with climate change. I also had in my mind, though I didn't explicitly lay it out, uh, the numerous uh, cases that have more recently come to light of people who have been in positions of abuse sure, for years sure. and then the victims of their abuse were not believed for X amount of time. You know, that is not always uh, you know, specifically related to younger generations as I had previously posed it, but it was in my mind. Um, and, and so there are these ways that I think for myself, I would yes and amen your, we have to, to have the curiosity and the embrace of wonder that a child brings to us. Um, and I think we have to know the difference between interrogating and dismissing. I think we absolutely have to understand that sanity, from my view, sanity to a degree means you have to know how to ask the right questions and know how to be open to the right answers. We engage ourselves in this mystery of faith, which, despite the the ways some people tend to talk about it, I don't believe fits in neat little boxes or recipes like a cookbook. I don't I don't feel that the the movement of faith is so easily quantified. And so because of that, I think the the impetus is on us to ask the right questions, whether that be in a fantastical scenario like this, where a child comes and says, you know, my doll is doing all this. The doll was on the, you know, it's like why I got frustrated in that moment in the movie when he's like, hey, it was it was Chucky is they don't even ask him why he's saying that they don't even they don't even push it any further. They're just like, go to bed. Like, no, 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 son. You're like, you just need to go to bed. And I'm like, why would he just come running out and say that? Like, what do, you, what do you mean? Like, what makes you think that? And what a different spirit it would be. I've said before when we talked about Something Wicked This Way Comes that one of the things I love tremendously about that book is because when those boys come to Will Holloway right, or, right. or, or Charles. Charles Holloway, when they come to Charles Holloway and present the fantastical nature of it, he believes them. And right. the chapter in the book calls out that Will bur- almost bursts into tears because he simply believes them. Right. He simply, you know, recognizes the truth in what they're trying to express. And I think that's one thing, particularly those of us who are people of faith, but I would even challenge the skeptics among our listeners that I think there is a certain—do you remember the? there's one moment in the book Creature Tech by Doug Tenapple that um, always stood out to me, and I, I believe it's from Creature Tech. I know it was a Doug Tenapple book. I'm remembering it from Creature Tech. I could be remembering it wrong. But where uh, there's someone, there's a character in it who like has a big, like a doctorate in science or something, has a big like educated degree and is a scientist, but is also a believer in the supernatural. And I remember, though I'm clumsily expressing it, they had said, no, 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 it is my belief in the scientific method and in the possibilities open to us that make me open to the supernatural. Because why would I be so dismissive of things I clearly don't fully understand? Sure. You know, like these are all postulates and hypotheses until I can definitively, you know, it's like science, the scientific method tells you, you can't prove a negative. Like you can't prove 
this thing definitively does not exist. You can only prove positive moving things. And yet in our own lives, whether we are people of faith or people of, of uh, doubt, uh, or maybe both at the same time, I think we do have to recognize the ways in which we would be dismissive of childlike wonder and the ways that we cast that aside instead of embracing curiosity, embracing an inquisitive spirit. You know, I, I believe this was just recently in a devotional that I was reading where they were unpacking the story of Nicodemus and Nicodemus comes to, to Jesus and Jesus is like, you must be born again. And, and Nicodemus is like, can I enter, you know, my mother's womb? But what's what this particular devotion was pointing out is Nicodemus had the guts to ask the questions. And he had the guts to say, like, what do you mean by this? And to push on it a little bit, not in a spirit of I'm going to outspeak you and shut you up. But, you know, what are what are you saying Uh, throughout the Gospel of Mark? They're constantly seeing the wonderful things that Jesus is doing or the scary things that Jesus is doing. They're constantly asking, who is this man? Who is this person? And I think uh, I could sum up this this tirade of thoughts that I'm presenting by saying, like, child's play challenges me to be more inquisitive in my own heart and mind, like ironically, perhaps for a, you know, slasher eighties film. But, um, it, it, it does, it pushes on some button that says, I need to not be so, uh, arrogant and narcissistic to think that I know these decisive answers, like, but to embrace, um, inquisitive natures and curious natures. A well, bit more freely. and not to put to, uh, find a bumper sticker on it, but maybe as a way into, you know, even the fog meter, if we go there, but the takeaway from child's play is if as a rule, you disbelieve your children, it imperils you both. Mm, Yes. You know, like Mm -hmm. it's not, it's not just them that are at risk of our disbelieving them. Right. Right. Yeah, I don't know. It would put yeah, it it would put us both in in a, a perilous and situation. And I mean, I believe who's going to believe me? Ah! <laughs> 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 oh, it's true. Oh, god, it's true. And you know, and and for for the sake of putting a you know hanging a lantern on it, yes, there is you know there there's a very real and holy work being done in like helping people who suffer from delusions. That's not what we're talking about. Um, you know, like people who, who proceed from delusional mindsets require holy assistance and they require, you know, I, I call it holy because I think it's good work, but they require actual like people sort of pressing on some of that. But again, I'll say this to, to mirror these two things, because, you know, you you put such a great button on it that you put yourself in peril. Um, gosh, I wish I could. Oliver Sacks is his name. Um, he, he passed away several years ago. Um, he wrote a book that I had read many, many years ago and found just incredibly compassionate and very moving called the man who mistook his wife for a hat. Wow. And it was a, it was a collection of stories about, you know, working with people who suffer from certain degrees of impairment and delusion and mental illness and stuff like that. But the man wrote with Oliver Sacks wrote with more compassion than I think I've ever, uh, read anybody in that, in that field. Um, and, uh, and so it, it was, it was tremendously inspiring, but again, it was about doing that work to confront it by embracing the individual, keeping a curious spirit, guiding and walking them through it, not being dismissive, right. because when you're dismissive to go back to your earlier point, you put yourself and them in peril. If you are utterly dismissive right. and, and, and utterly cast aside what they're, you know, like, who's going to believe me? 
I'll believe you, or at the very least, I'll listen to you, and I'll believe that what you are telling me is true to you. And is it the factual reality? Let's find out together. But I will listen to There's you. There's something so you. sad to me about how little the idea of solidarity has has embedded itself in our faith. Because I do think, mm, yeah, just solidarity is is we're so individualistic. We're so binary in our thinking a person is either right or wrong that that the yeah, notion right. of solidarity is is such a lost art um yeah. like the way you just articulated that was very powerful to me you know i will believe you on this thing you mm-hmm. know the the the, the life giving nature that someone who is begging to be believed experiences when they are believed is yes. is a is to use your word a holy act um mm-hmm. And I would I would yeah. encourage us I would encourage all of us, you and I and listeners to to engage the week with those eyes. Um, you know, yeah. What does it mean to express solidarity with with creation itself? Uh, mm. If that's mm-hmm. too big with with your neighbor, if that's too big with your kids and spouse, your friend, yeah. your, express solidarity with yourself. On and yeah. on it goes. Um, absolutely, Riri, absolutely. child's play. Yeah, there was child's play. You want to you want to take us to the fog meter? Sure. Uh, the fog meter yeah. is uh, how we measure what we think of all the movies we cover on a scale of fear and God. How scary a thing is, how substantive a thing is. Um, I'll start with fear. I think because of just, you know, because of how I understood this film to be lodged in the horror canon, I think in a general sense, I didn't find it super scary. It's creepy. It's got a couple of, uh, you know, just the design of Chucky, the implementation of Chucky, how they withhold his visual until as long as they do, right. uh, how it ramps up by the end Terminator style. Those are mm-hmm. all worthy. Uh, so I think, I think I'll give it a six on the, on the scare meter. Yeah. Yeah. I think for myself, cause I was, I found the individual moments to be more effective than I remembered them being really good at developing suspense, paying off suspense with genuinely kind of creepy visuals. Um, so I'm, I'm going to be a bit generous, I think and give a seven and a half. Um, and then for myself, for the substance meter, again, knowing what I know with meta knowledge that the writer was intending a degree of metaphor I think the finished product does not try very hard to unpack a significant amount of things, but I think there are things in the text of the film that don't require a lot of work or digging to pull out that are worth thinking about, worth uh, contemplating. Um, I think it can be enjoyed on just a slasher level, but there's also some things there if you want to look for them and, and see where they take you in your mind. So I'm, I'm going to be generous there too and give it a seven. Hmm. Um, based on your reintroduction of the halves, I'm going to go six and a half on the substance there's not nothing um but i also think you can just enjoy the text of the film and not overthink yes too and uh, yes agreed agreed um we didn't uh yeah i'll mention this in just a second that means that we give child's play directed by tom holland written by don mancini submitted by brent westerink submitted by brent westerink a seven out of ten on the fog meter, and uh, yes, I think that's uh, quite a substantive showing there. Do you recommend the original Child's Play? Not to child Brent, um, <laughs> or children in general, which is Certainly. funny 
Did you notice? Uh, just to, I don't mean to cart us away again, but mm-hmm. in my reading about it, just the the volume of protesting the film received of how it's going to induce children to violent behavior. The fact that Brent saw this as a kid, my wife referencing this is like, why the hell are we showing our kids these movies? Like, what? (laughs) why are you protesting? Are you going to show your kid child's play? Then you are a problem. It's rated R. It's meant to be a film for adults. Uh, So do I recommend it to adults? Absolutely. It's fun. It's entertaining. It's, it's got absolutely. If you haven't seen it, it, it qualifies. It's worth the watch. Totally agree. Totally agree. I would definitely recommend it. We didn't once mention it, which I feel bad about. Brad Dourif. He's great. Who, yeah, he carries the weight of voicing Chucky through all seven of the core films. He's you know not the voice in the remake, but Brad Dourif delivers an outstanding performance. Um, and yeah, it's it, now, it, it holds about, up. Before you walk away from that, one, yeah. he's Grima Wormtongue for my Tolkien heads. He absolutely Two, is. Two. He shows up as a character whose name I, has, I have forgotten, but is a seminal episode of X-Files, Team Ned, uh, Beyond hey. the Sea. Uh, he shows up as an antagonist for Scully, um, who is channeling the spirit of her father. Uh, yeah. Very good episode if you're tracking for the X-Files. <laughs> Season two, uh, I think. Oh, okay. Very, very well said. I th- But yeah, I think Brad Dourif is, uh, does an exceptional job here, and I think Child's Play in general is is where it is in the in the landmark. You know, it was funny. If you're talking about the top tier of horror slashers, you're going to have Jason, Michael Myers, Freddy. I think probably just... And Leatherface might be on that top shelf. And then, like, one shelf down, you're going to have... You know, easily like Chucky. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Because he's a little shorter. He can't climb to the top shelf, you know. (laughs) But no, uh, definitely recommend it. Uh, Thank you very, very much, Brent, for suggesting this. Uh, It was long overdue for us to cover it. Uh, Hopefully, you, Brent, enjoyed the conversation we had out of it. And hopefully, you listeners did as well. I know I certainly did. And I want to thank you very much, Nathan, for having that conversation with me next week. We're going to be entering into another What Scares Us submission uh, that also came from another listener. And this is arguably, I would contend, this might be the biggest horror landmark entry that we have yet to cover. And we finally Hmm. are going to broach this this legendary film. I'm not being sarcastic. People probably think I'm going to bust out with like a random sequel or something. But a legendary film uh, directed by admittedly controversial director Roman Polanski written by Ira Levin. We are finally going to be discussing Rosemary's Baby next I'm week. excited. I've so, never seen it. Yes. You've never seen it. No. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's um, Carrie Fisher's in uh, it, right? Uh, no. No? I don't believe Carrie uh. Fisher's in it. Maybe I'm wrong. I have not We're seen it in years. We're going to part ways here. <laughs> oh boy, maybe I'm wrong. It's Mia Farrow is the main uh, is the main person, okay. but I so so. But do I don't. This. We have to. Oh do no! This. Uh, oh no! Real time right here. now. I'm, right now in real time. I am being this right now. I've got twenty percent battery. I see you, phone. I see oh boy, Rose Mary's baby. Oh, um, you could be right. It's been years since I've seen it. Well, I'm not claiming I'm right. Oh, Rosemary felt Mary. like you were. No. <laughs> No, well, I, I, for some reason, I there's some movie. You're, you are correct. I do not see Carrie Fisher anywhere on the cast list. Oh, mm, okay. um, Phil Leeds is in it though. Uh, oh, I don't, I don't know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, am I supposed to know who that is? Um, the movie I'm thinking of. Anyway, I'm not sorry, sure. But sorry anyway, for the so, fun no, diversion okay. at the end of an episode. Yeah, no, that's okay. So, um, so yeah, so Rosemary's Baby next week. Um, as we say on every episode, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. In that spirit, we encourage you to fear nothing else 
and be on your way rejoicing. Thank you all listeners. Thank you, Nathan. We'll see you next week. See you guys. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. You can start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for all the latest news and episodes or for merchandise and to contact us directly. You can follow us on Twitter at The Fear of God, on Instagram at Fear of God Podcast, or join the Facebook Fear of God discussion group. Special thanks to Jacob Hunt of jacobhuntcomics.com for our artwork, to Lee Wright, who helped me, Reed Lackey, write our theme music, and to Tyler Smith at morethanonelesson.com for making our show possible. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, and if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week.